Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Last week, uh, we had so much fun. Uh, I had so much fun sharing God's Word with my wife, and I know there have been a lot of positive feedbacks and, and I, I told her, I encouraged her that, hey, the church is waiting to hear more from you. Uh, you're a gifted teacher. So uh, continue to encourage her, guys. Continue to encourage her so that we may see uh, even more of Esther on the pulpit uh, sharing insight and challenging us and, and sharing. Today, I don't have the luxury of sharing the pulpit. Uh, so I'm just on my own. So you're going to have to bear with me um, for the rest of the service. Verses 12 through 19. 1 Peter 4:12 through 19. And this is the reading of God's word. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and it begins with us. What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Amen. Dear friends, would you spend a moment with me in prayer before we begin Uh, studying and and diving into God's Word. God, we thank you for allowing us to gather. God, God, we recognize and God, we praise you for your faithful guidance. God, even in, in spite of the difficult challenges that we have seen in the past months, God, even in the challenges of us not gathering, not seeing each other in person, God, we can testify. God, we could attest to just how intimate you have been in guiding us, Lord. God, here we are today uh, uh, reading into the letter of Apostle Peter, God. God, we are exploring through the concept of suffering, persecution, and trials for us believers. God, I pray that you may fill our hearts and spirits, Lord God, with, with encouragement, God, and also the challenge, Lord, for us to endure and continue to testify of your name and of your grace. God, we thank you. God, be with us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You know, together as a nation in the past months and past season, or perhaps even during this season, we have seen a lot of acts and and actions done as a result of hate and differences that are prevalent in our society today. 
and perhaps because of the color of our skin or the ethnic background, the stories and the stories of challenges and difficulties experienced through various communities have been uh, very um, uh, uh, highlighted, and all of us have become very familiar with it. And the unfair treatment, the unwarranted and un- unwanted hate and even violence done upon them have been uh, made into even more public stories. And sadly, this harassment and mistreatment seem to be persistent in this climate or this state of the life that we live in right now. And even though there's a continual effort in evading and overcoming it together as a nation, and I really believe that, that the depravity of a human sin and the widening gap of people's perspectives and understanding have led us to live in constant and continual fear and even anxiety. You know, uh, when we think of uh, the, the, the pains and the, uh, the difficulties that we are experiencing, and, and when we consider the level of persecution and oppression that we see around us, we also cannot ignore such oppression and persecution uh, as a, uh, uh, being true for those that are of certain religions as well. Religious persecution, uh, this was also reality for so many Christians back in the day. They lived under constant fear of being targeted, not only for physical wellness, for not only for the physical punishment, but complete demarcation from the rest of the society, all simply because of the faith that they claim to have that is in Jesus Christ. You know, a couple of months ago, we had a wonderful guest that came and, 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 and shared with us the reality of Christian persecution all throughout the world. Do you remember when Pete Holmes came? Pete, Pete from uh, Open Doors USA, that he came to us and, and, and he shared about the reality of so many Christians, millions and millions of Christians scattered all throughout the world uh, experiencing daily persecution oppression, and some fearing for their lives, all simply because of their confession of their faith in Jesus Christ. And he alluded to the fact that this was the persecution was indeed necessary for the gospel to continue to spread to the lesser known regions. And how we as a Christian church here in America, we ought to associate ourselves with the suffering and persecution that were so rampant in the rest of the world. And today, uh, we want to explore a bit more on the theology of suffering. We want to understand what it means and why suffering takes place. More specifically, we want to understand the difference or the, the sameness of the word suffering as well as persecution and how and what we can glean from when we do suffer or when we do encounter persecution and who should suffer, why we suffer, and is there any good or hope that can come out as a result of our suffering. So let me unpack the passage just one element at a time. Again, remember what is suffering, why we suffer, who should suffer, All right? All right. 
There are several words that are used in this passage that point to the difficulty of life for Christians. The words or the phrases such as fiery ordeal, sufferings, insults, shame. When you consider these words above, they are not just general hardships. Uh, But these hardships have specifically to do with suffering in their relation to their faith. Or I could even go further and say um, they're related to suffering in relation to their expression of faith. We're not dealing with just a general difficulty of life. Understand the suffering in this context has to do with because of your expression or because of your adherence to the faith that is in Jesus Christ, all right? So though it's never mentioned explicitly in this passage, it's, it's, most, it's mostly correct to infer that suffering here is closer to the meaning or the word persecution, meaning your hardships are as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. And let us not forget that this letter is written by Peter, and Peter is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Peter, indeed, arguably, is one of the most prominent and one of the most important figures in all of the Gospels. You know, uh, to be frank with you, besides Jesus himself, I mean, do we really see even anyone that's more important in in the way uh, of conveying and and, and probably even more stories of Peter have been recorded in all of the Gospels aside from the person of Jesus? So, uh, and let's not forget, Peter spent three impactful years of his life. He spent the entirety of Jesus' earthly ministry. And, and so we see just how uh, uh, strong the, uh, the, the imprint that Jesus and his teaching have made upon Peter. You know, Jesus was very aware of this notion of persecution, or Jesus was very open about discussing Uh, the possibility of suffering or the imminence of suffering and hardships, all simply because people have chosen to follow in his footsteps. Jesus foreshadowed. Uh, Let me read for you Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 22. And this is what Jesus says, And ye will be hated by everyone because of you or because of your association with my name. But it is the one who has patiently persevered and endured to the end who will be saved. Also in Matthew chapter 5, and this is the chapter where uh, Jesus famously unpacks his teaching and the kingdom values. And from chapters 5 through 7, I mean, this is just a, a, just a center uh, of Jesus' teaching where it's just imparting kingdom principles to the public audience. And here, uh, the Beatitudes here, they, they are sort of like the marks of being Christian or, or your dispositions or this is, the, this is the way you ought to live. This is how every follower of God, every lover of God should uh, uh, be. And, and the, it, it, Jesus talks about uh, these distinct marks of being a follower of Jesus Christ. 
And there are totally eight of them, and seven of those Beatitudes, they all have to do with the notion of this becoming. I'm going to follow in your footsteps. Now I'm going to put on myself the kingdom principle. Now I'm going to live my way, not according to my ways. I'm going to pursue the ways of the kingdom. I'm going to allow Jesus, I'm going to allow God to transform my heart. At the end result of living in such way, and the last of the Beatitudes convey these words. Let me read for you Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. And listen carefully. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. You see, at, at, at what follows all seven Beatitudes, what should follow when we try to become like Jesus? What, should, what follows after, as, after our efforts of becoming more Christ-like? The more we strive to live like Jesus, Jesus conveys persecution is come your way. People are going to disagree with you. People are going to get in your way. People are going to try to uh, come and, and oppose you and physically torment you and make sure that you do not continue the path which you are pursuing. Simply, the one who demonstrates Christ-likeness will be persecuted. The one who is committed to living a life that, that takes on Jesus Christ will be hated. And that suffering, that persecution will be the distinct mark of every follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? And again, let's go back to our main text. See, that was Jesus. That's what Jesus preached during his ministry. That's what he foreshadowed. And remember, and Jesus is following, and Peter is following Jesus everywhere. Peter is listening to every time Jesus shares about what's to come, what's to be expected for the disciples and the followers. So here, I'm certain that Peter is associating exactly the suffering that he's talking about is a suffering that will come. He's talking about persecution. He's talking about people chasing after them. He's talking about people wanting to kill you because of your faith. And it's important for us to recognize that again. He's not talking about just general hardships of life. He's not talking about, oh man, the loss of our loved ones. He's not talking about financial hardships here. He's talking about when we choose to live a life following Christ, we will be opposed as a result of differences in values in our focus that we will be pursued. And he says again in verse 12, Dear friends, 
And I love that. I love that he calls us friends. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you. And he says, Why are you all surprised? Why are you shocked that this is happening to you? Remember, first century Christians and all of these Christians scattered throughout the Asian minor were being pursued after under the edict of Emperor Nero that their lives are really, uh, literally uh, uh, being made living hell. And Peter says, Why are you so surprised? Have you forgotten? the commands of Jesus? Have you forgotten what Jesus himself, our Messiah, our Savior himself, endured? And just like Jesus has said, expect hardships. Expect expect suffering. You know, and I want to quote another prominent figure in the New Testament. And I want to borrow the words of Apostle Paul and to see what he weighs in, how he weighs in in the subject matter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. Uh, it's, it's so interesting that Paul, began, uh, Paul seems to be saying something that was so common to him. And he's, uh, he, uh, we almost pick up the sense that he has repeatedly told them of what's to come. And he says, he says this, this is your destiny. Suffering, persecution, this is our destiny. And he says, we kept telling you that this would happen. And it turned out that way as well as you know. So in this sense, for Christians, persecution has been an expectation, not an exception. Persecution should be an expectation, not an exception for us followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Meaning if you truly live the way you have been called to, if you truly live the way that Jesus Christ has encouraged us to live in this world, that we will for sure encounter persecution. We will, without any doubt, that we shall be opposed. All right? The opposition is expected. The conflict, the unfriendliness will surely come our way. But he says, in verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. And, and I think that's very important for us to recognize. There is a sharing of what Jesus himself went through. It's not just something hardships and persecution is being unloaded upon us. It's not something that's foreign to Jesus now is being revealed to us. That word participate, that is the same word that we use when we use the word, when we coin the word fellowship. Do you remember that? Do you know when we say, oh, let's come out to church, let's have fellowship, let's enjoy fellowship with one another. Let's have, I, I, I think uh, this has been one of the most uh, uh, negative 
cliche or the wrongful cliche that the church has coined, and I think it lost the true essence uh, or the true meaning of the word. And that, that, that fellowship means participation. It's the same word that's used here, meaning the fellowship in the suffering of Christ. The most common use of the word fellowship in the New Testament has to do with our conjoinment or our participation in the suffering of Christ. Peter says, because our Lord Jesus endured it. And we as followers, we simply participate We share in what Jesus himself experienced, and we rejoice in it as we participate together. Why? Why? Okay, let's remind ourselves again. Why do we suffer? Again, kind of going back to it here, if you read verses 15 and 16, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, and here's the reason why, but praise God that you bear that name. The suffering that Peter is talking about in this passage is because you are suffering because you bore his name. What does that mean? What does does bearing his name mean? I think, again, let's go back to what Jesus said about suffering being conveyed to the followers, all right? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, again, with the same text in the Beatitudes here, Jesus says, you are persecuted because you do what God requires, Why do we suffer? Why should we suffer? Because we have made it our life's goal that we are becoming more and more like him. We are bearing his name in uh, in the way that we speak, in the way that we act, in the way that we pursue and value things here on earth. It's because all of these areas personify and resonate with the convictions and the pursuits of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so long as you are, pers- uh, you are committed to following me, you will be persecuted. Jesus said the same thing. If you follow me, you will be persecuted. If you love me, you will be hated by the world. You see, Jesus, you have to understand, Jesus was not persecuted merely because he was good. You have to understand he was persecuted because he was different. He was different and he conveyed the values of the kingdom. He, he, He taught the values that were not found anywhere in this world. He continued to personify what God valued. He continued to preach. He continued to impart the values and the importance and the kingdom of God. And he says, as you are my disciple, as you choose to follow me, as you live for me, you will be persecuted. And that's the reason why we shall see 
continual struggles. We shall see continual oppression living out our faith in this world. So long as we are uh, effort, making the efforts to be set apart, being holy as Christ has called us to be holy. Remember chapter 2 of 1 Peter? Be holy, for I am holy. Our goal, again, living in this world as aliens in this world, while our citizenship belongs in the kingdom of God, we live as one set apart. And when we live like that, we will surely receive persecution. More specifically, I think the why explains then to whom. I think this is when we begin to, we should begin to realize that persecution is not just for anybody. Persecution is then, is not something to be discarded. Persecution then is not something to be despised upon. At least for you and me, as ones committed to following Christ, persecution is something that we should absolutely welcome. It's something that we not only expect, but it's something that we should welcome. And this is why Peter says we should even rejoice in this. Are you understanding where we are progressing onto now? So who should expect to experience such persecution? Let me read for you 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. Now, if we read that statement, if we simply dissect that statement, just being logical, pure approach it with pure logic, then that same sentence can be rewritten this way. If you are not persecuted, you are not living a godly life in Christ Jesus. Now, when we read that verse that way, there's a bit of more uh, shocking value to it, is there not? First one was, yeah, for everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. Yeah, I guess. I guess persecution, persecution can happen for some. But now, if we, this is completely um, legal in, in the world of logic, by the way. If you say, if you are not persecuted, perhaps you're not living a life that is godly, that is found in Christ Jesus. Now, I, know, I understand that's a hot take, but I believe the biblical notion and the biblical conveyance of the idea of persecution and suffering is exactly that way. And this is why it calls us to be radical. It calls us to persevere amidst pressure. New Testament, through and through, perhaps even Old Testament, there's a certain distinct uh, um, endurance that, ha that, that, that is present when the people of God are, are called to stand in the world. The persecution comes. And I want you guys to check out some of the people that had suffered such persecution. 
These are just uh, uh, the followers and the disciples of Christ himself, according to the Fox's Book of Martyrs here. James, one of the sons of Zebedee, the brother of John, he was beheaded. Matthew, the accountant, was slain with a, a halberd. There's a combination of an axe and a spear. He was, uh, he was uh, uh, slain. James the less, he was stoned to death at the age of 94. Matthias was stoned in Jerusalem and then beheaded. Andrew, the brother of Peter, was crucified on the cross. And, it was, and the cross was uh, uh, set in place. The two ends of the cross fixated transversely onto the ground. Think of an X. Mark was dragged to pieces. His body was literally torn into different pieces. Paul was beheaded. Apostle Peter, as you may already know, he was crucified upside down because he did not consider himself worthy to die or experience the same death as his Lord Jesus. Thomas was th thrust through the spear. Bartholomew was cruelly beaten and then crucified. Apostle Luke, the, Luke the physician, the writer of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he was hanged on an olive tree. Simon was crucified in year 74. Barnabas was known that he was put to death again in 73. And these were the disciples of Jesus Christ. What about Stephen? Deacon Stephen, he was stoned to death, was he not? Catherine of Alexandria, Joan of Arc, burned alive. John Wycliffe, uh, the one who translated the Bible from Latin into English, burned alive. More modern day, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was hanged in prison while testifying of his faith, refusing to conform to the ways of the Nazis. And one of my heroes of faith, Jim Elliott, speared to death while preaching the gospel, wanted to convey the gospel message to the Alca tribe in the Central America. Again, persecution was an expectation and not an exception. And I do wonder as I read through the scriptures, as I read through the New Testament, as I read through particularly the gospel of uh, the gospels and the letters of Peter and Paul, I wonder if we do not accept the call. I wonder if we keep suffering persecution at a distance for us. And we make it our goal to not experience such hardship during the course of our faith lives. But should we evade them? Should we not welcome them? Years ago, um, I, I, I remember I, I prayed at the age of 24. I said, God, and I read... Uh, the biography of Jim Elliot, I say, God, uh, I want to give my life to you. God, if you would find me worthy of, of living and dying a martyr's death, God, I want to do exactly that. 
So when the opportunity came, I had prayed for months and months, and, and the people at my old church had prayed with me, and when the opportunity opened up to go to Afghanistan, I didn't even know where it was in the world. I knew that it was far. I knew that it was very dangerous, but I said, God, sign me up. I'm going to go and, and die in that land. I remember I spent seven weeks in Tajik, Tajik, Tajikistan to, to learn the language, and when the seven months time came, I was on a little ferry boat to cross the border from Tajikistan now onto Afghanistan. On that little ferry boat, I encountered a man who was a pastoring um, a church in, in Tajikistan. He was the mo- most well-known missionary in that country, and it was known that he had many underground churches also pre- uh, scattered throughout the regions of Afghanistan. And the pastor, he was, I think he was in his 70s, or he was quite old, quite old, and he saw me, and I had my backpacks, I had luggages, clearly that I was, you know, crossing the border to, to, to go somewhere far and, and, and not return for a long time. He looked at me and said, young man, what are you doing? Looks like you're going to Afghanistan. What are you doing in this time? You know, this is not a, a, a friendly place. And I turned to him, I said, you know, I'm going there, I'm going into Afghanistan so I could become a martyr. And I said those exact words. I, I, I was speaking to him in Korean, but I said, I'm going to go, I'm going to preach the gospel, and my goal is to die in this land. And I puffed out my chest, and I, I, I said with great conviction and confidence. And to my surprise, um, my, my comments were met not with adoration or uh, he wasn't impressed, not even one bit. He said, he, he looked at me, and, and he gave me one of these, <laughs> the, which the universal language of, you fool, I pity you, you idiot. Uh, the most demeaning and humiliating way, he began to talk, and he said, you, you think you're going to become a martyr here? And he began to go on at least a couple minutes of just unloading, just, humiliating comments and say, who are you, who, what do you think, who do you think you are that you are just entering this region, that you think that God would find you worthy of, of dying a martyr's death? And he said, do you know how many missionaries have come to this land? Do you know how many people that are uh, scattered in secret places? And why would God choose you so that you may experience something so honorable? And he reduced me to, uh, I, I mean, I'm getting like, I'm sweating just thinking about that dialogue. And he said, and he just, unloaded, I, just I was just completely speechless. So I put my head down. I mean, what do you say to that, right? I just put my head down and just soaking in my sadness. And he said, and he, and he continued on. He said, young man, don't make it your goal to die here. We don't have enough people sharing about Jesus in this foreign land. The gospel is so rare. The people sharing the good news of Jesus Christ is so little, so small, that we need every single worker that are here to survive, to be safe as possible, so that more and more people will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And they say, young man, 
I pray that you will not die in this land. And he said, young man, I'm praying for safety. I pray that God will keep you alive as long as possible because we need people like you. And in that brief moment, I went from feeling this small to now feeling and now feeling the weight of the call upon my life and understanding, man, that's what it means to be a witness of Jesus Christ. So because of that, man, from that day on, my prayer changed that day. And for the rest of my time in Afghanistan, I pray, God, keep me alive. Keep me safe. You know, it was later revealed to me that that man, that man was crossing the border to visit one of the underground churches that had been attacked by the Taliban, that his church leaders were actually captured. The whole nine yards, you guys know, remember back in those days, uh, it was quite common for missionaries to be captured, put on the black hoodie, uh, uh, the uh, noose tied around their neck, uh, hands and feet tied, and they have the machetes pointing at their necks, and they would uh, put that on camera and video, and they would broadcast it everywhere. And one of these underground churches had encountered just that. And his heart was deeply stirred to, to urge this uh, young man, immature, ignorant, falsely zealous. And he says, no, we need more and more people who would not fear death and testifying the faith that is in Jesus Christ. I pray, I pray that you and I become even more emboldened that when we hear stories of persecution, when we hear stories of people, different Christians being placed in different contexts of danger, even for their lives, that we not shrink away in fear, that we not resist uh, uh, this mantle of suffering, but we would gladly embrace it, that we would even welcome it, that we would even rejoice in it, that we would even praise God, as Peter says, that we would praise God that we get to bear his name. Some people may argue when we consider persecution, when we consider martyrdom, they may say, man, being a Christian, that might mean that we have to die for Jesus. Friends, we don't have to die for Jesus. We get to die for Jesus. When we suffer, when we are persecuted, we don't have to endure the suffering. We don't endure persecution. We get to suffer. We get to be persecuted in the same way that Jesus himself suffered, in the same way that Jesus himself was persecuted. We rejoice. The last point that I want to make to you today is 
we rejoice not in the persecution itself. We rejoice of what the persecution does. Persecution confirms our relationship with Christ. Remember what I talked about. For righteousness' sake, we are persecuted, meaning becoming more like Christ. You know, as I shared before, one of my heroes of faith, Jim Elliot, he said this, enter into his gates. He's talking about now, we as sheep, we are entering the gates, heading towards the slaughter field. He says, we enter his gates, for you have been found worthy of his sacrifice. Friends, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, let's count it worthy. Let us rejoice because that Christ himself has found us worthy, that we get to suffer, that we get to participate, that we get to share in, that we get to fellowship in the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have often heard the saying, if you, are, if you are arrested for being Christian, would they find enough evidence to be prosecuted? You have heard that said many times, right? I want to go a step further there. I want to ask, if you are indeed prosecuted of becoming Christian, how long will your sentence be? Will they talk to you for a minute and then release you? Hey, man, you're, you're good to go. Will they keep you in jail for one day? Will they keep you there for a week, a month? Or will they find enough zeal, faith, passion, love, devotion that they will not let you out before taking your life. Friends, today, my prayer is that you and I commit to live the rest of our lives as true witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ. As witnesses conveying the message, preaching the kingdom of God, when the world sees us, they get a clear picture of what's to come. Because we would not shake, because we would not compromise, even facing death. The word witness is the same word in Greek as the word martyr. The word witness is martus. That's where we get the word martyr. So may you and I continue to bear witness of our Lord Jesus Christ, even to the point of death. Now, what is your understanding of suffering? What is your understanding of persecution? You know, we're living in a world that tolerates less and less of exclusive claims. 
Though I don't think just yet that Christian church and its Protestant doctrines are being threatened, I think we're getting close. There's, there's uh, certainly a good amount of liberty even in this country, but perhaps some would argue that it is being less, less and less. I really believe that if, if what, the gospel, uh, what the Bible uh, says about the, the end of days, uh, if what the Bible says concerning the, the judgment time uh, approaching near, if what is conveyed in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is indeed true, we will surely see more open persecution. The pressure will be so great upon the Christian churches in the world. And that's when we shall dis- demonstrate and display the same kind of commitment that is found all throughout the New Testament. Friends, we rejoice. We praise God. We celebrate because we understand the reasons why we suffer. We understand that as a result of our suffering, as a result of endurance, something more beautiful is being formed in and through our lives. I pray that you may find encouragement. I pray that you are strengthened today as we hear the word of God. Friends, would you pray with me? God, we read read through the scriptures which Apostle Peter has left us, Lord. Today we understood just the true notion of suffering. Why persecution even exists and what our attitudes should be. And God, we thank you that you have found us worthy to be sacrificed. We thank you that you have called us to be so brave, even even stand up to the various pressures and the trials in this world. I pray for the strengthening of our faith today. I pray that even greater commitment to preach and share the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, to be so real, so evident to everyone God here present at Rooftop Church. We thank you. Holy Spirit, walk with us. Holy Spirit, empower us and fill us up in every moment of our lives. We thank you. In Jesus, your precious name we pray. Amen.